Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you live, live recorded from where we live. <laughs> I um, I pretty much just want to talk about The Walking Dead. Yeah, I know. You actually were like, uh, can we make it 15 minutes later tonight? And I'm like, yeah, why? What's up? You know, putting the baby down? Like, no, Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's the season premiere of season five. And hey, we all uh, left them at Terminus, which... I- you kind of figured they were cannibals because as they were running through Terminus, you saw all these like skeletons and and rib cages and the meat was still on it slightly, you know, the red stained bones. So you wanted to see what was going to happen. Yeah. I, as I as I texted you, the Lord knows his place in your life. Pete. <laughs> it's okay. He understands. Hey, what about you? We normally do Friday morning. I have Friday morning blocked off to do this podcast, and you didn't even bother to tell me until late, like like hours before. Oh, by the way, not available tomorrow morning. Yeah, I don't really have an answer for that, except the one that I usually give in these kind of situations, which is, uh, I suck. I thought you were <laughs> going to say, uh, which is... My baby needed to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, you know, I end up needing to use that one a lot, and it's usually true. So a lot of times I go, well, that worked out really good. <laughs> yeah, so I pretty much want to talk about is there life on other planets on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you have a dream. Pete, you know, Pete doesn't want to be in ministry, but he did say that if we do at some point church plant on Mars. I'm all there. Or, I think Uranus was out, right, for obvious reasons. Uranus? I said Uranus. You know, I, I don't know what Uranus is. Above. I've never heard of that that planet. 
Yeah, it's how the British say it because they're not as juvenile. Juvenile. <laughs> they're not as juvenile. Every time an American says it, he goes, <laughs> you know, kind of a little bit, or at least it's just a mental teehee. Everyone kind of looks at each other and winks, knowing. I don't get it. Why? <laughs> Why don't you explain that to me? And Saturn and Jupiter <laughs> and Pluto's. Now not you a have planet. to learn the planets in order. I, you know, I don't know them. So you come Venus. up with that acronym. See, I will always remember. Because there was this kid in my class, and he goes, I know how you can re- remember. My very eager mother jumped seeing you nincompoop. Dude, don't talk about my mother. That's all I'm saying. Like, Uh-oh. you know. Did I, hey, did I go there already? Right now, if you said that in, in the hood, man, you could punch in the head. Perhaps. You would. Maybe really? shot. We'd have to ask Ruben. Yeah. He lived in the hood. He lived in West L.A. Speaking, speaking of that, if you guys. If you guys. I, I wish that we could, in fact, we should be, we should show, uh, or at least play a piece, a clip. No, uh, they gotta be in jump school if they want to get that, that kind of goal. We gotta whet their appetite, man, cause Ruben came on and we interviewed him about the character and calling of the church planner. When I scheduled these, I had felt I had gotten two of the speakers kind of flip-flopped. I'm like, oh, this guy would actually be better on this topic and this guy'd be better. Man, Ruben brought it. I mean, he absolutely he blew my freaking mind on that podcast, man. And it wasn't a podcast. It was for jump school. It's uh, one of the things we have um, where it's called Dispatches from the Front. And we interview a guy who's on the ground church planning about the topic that we're on. And, man, it was just it was insanely good. Yeah, it was good. It was cool. Except we had some crazy tech problems that... Hopefully I edited most of that out, but um, by the end of it, there was like a 15 to 30 second delay in between when I would say something and you guys would hear it. Yeah. And uh, it how, just, does, how does my, my, my beautiful voice sound right now? Well, now the golden pipes are doing good. Yeah. Yeah. You got a new router in and, you know, life's good. Yeah. They're insured. Lloyd's. Like J-Lo's booty. That's all I'm saying. Lloyd's. Lloyd's of London. Nice. I dig it, man. Yeah, I dig it. So what is today's topic? Since it so, can't be Walking Dead or is there life on other planets? Yes, no, it cannot be either one of those, but I'm still going to let you talk about them for a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think we should focus then on just the Walking Dead because... Um, <laughs> if I had to choose on the Dirt Planner podcast. But see, you I, haven't seen it yet, so I can't even have like a decent no. discussion with you about it. No, you you'll actually you you'll be like the spoiler of the Walking Dead premiere. I already spoiled it for you. In one well, no, sense, I'm like they get out in the first episode. You know. Oh yeah, I don't care about that. But uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. It's I, I honestly crazy. didn't think they were gonna die, so it's like you know, it's not like oh my gosh, they lived. I guess we have episode two of this season coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, part of it's kind of like you know. These guys are so crazy at this terminus. They're uh, they're cannibals, right? I mean, you figure that out at the end of the last season. And this season starts out with them lining up Rick, um, a bunch of the other guys whose names I don't remember because, you know, it's not Rick. <laughs> and And then there are some other people who were already there at terminus who were captured. So they're not part of the group. And so they start off, they, they've got everyone bound up, 
and they've got them in front of a trough. And so one guy hits the first guy on the back of the head, obviously killing him. And the next guy walks up, slits his throat, and just butt, blood is gushing, just gushing. And, you know, they're just having a conversation like a couple of regular dudes. And then, you know, they walk up to the next guy, hit him with the baseball bat, slit his th- I mean, this is how the season starts, right? And you know it's not going to keep going because I think there's like, Three or four, you know, spare characters who you've never seen before. If we were watching Star Trek, we'd call them the red shirts. You know they're not going to live, right? And uh, and then, of course, they get out, you know? So, yeah. yada, 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 they get out. That is the uh, summary. When I look on Amazon, it says, Rick and the gang go to Terminus, and at the end, they get out. It doesn't really say that, does it? It, it, No, because it says yada, yada, yada in between those two sentences. Of course. Yeah, you got to get the yadas in there. Absolutely. So, hey, um, so our topic, you know, maybe maybe less screwing around. I don't know why. I think because it's late and it's Sunday night. And because I was taking my baby to the hospital, we weren't able to do the podcast uh, Friday morning. So we're here Sunday night. Pete's rested up. He's been to church. He's watched Walking Dead, and he is ready to do this podcast. And uh, for me, you know, I, I think I am too. So our topic today is on prayer. Mm. And I want to talk about prayer because, I, Pete, have we ever talked about this before? No. We probably have. No, no, we never have. No, not just the topic of prayer. No. I, I actually didn't know if you believed in it. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> Where you were at on that topic? Yeah, you know, I I I have gone back and forth on it over the years. Um, what I think about prayer, but uh, no, I'm teasing. No, you know what's really funny is when I okay. So I want to talk about prayer. Prayer, as you know, um, is one of the most important things to uh, church planning. Prayer and evangelism are the two pedals that that push the bicycle forward. And the way I want to approach this um, today is not, you know, kind of uh, like an EM bounds, um, you know, six volume on prayer. And what I really want to talk about is where most guys are at, and that is they know they should and they struggle to do it. Mm. And and some of the practical things that you can do um, to kind of uh, jumpstart your prayer life. And get back into the place where you're communicating with God. And we're going to have my buddy on here um, again. We had Adam Statmiller. And I remember you saying you thought he was one of the best uh, podcast guests we've had. I don't know that I said that about Adam, actually. You did? No, you did. You I, I don't that know that I said that about episodes. Adam. I, I don't because I actually remember different thoughts about that. Like I disagreed uh, with him uh, on, a, uh, on a couple different points. Yeah, yeah. That I didn't but, bring up on the podcast. But one of the things... That oh, are we not say, supposed to talk about that? I can't bring up the fact that I disagreed with the guest? Come on. Oh, yeah, of course you can. But they got to be on it. All right, cool. I remember we did. We did have... There was a little bit, and I like this about him. There's a little bit of pushback where we did actually um, hash out some things. Cause it's yeah, bad. but he was wrong, and I'm right. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's right. You're like McLaughlin. Remember the McLaughlin group? What is that from? That name is really familiar. Okay, so there was a... Oh, yeah, 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 the five people. Yeah. Yeah. And McLaughlin was this grumpy old fart, and he'd sit on there and he'd debate everybody, and he'd he'd almost always be arbitrary on it. 
And uh, Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live used to do a uh, a really great impersonation of him. And they would do a skit and they would call the McLaughlin Group. And they'd all sit around and they'd all be in their suits. And he'd be like, Jane, what do you think about that? That's how he'd talk. And she's like, well, I think, you know, and he was always, he was rude. He'd cut people off and uh, he'd go, wrong! <laughs> so there's this one scene where he goes, what did you all have for breakfast? And they all start saying, he's like, wrong, wrong. He's cutting them all off. And he goes, y'all had special K with banana. Mm. It's great. You got to see that. YouTube it. Yeah, it. you know, that. it's so funny you bring that up because uh, you actually just triggered in my head a memory from uh, a book that I'm reading. Um, actually, you almost got into the topic, Pete. But it, it actually, it, it's going to have a little something, I think, to do with the topic. And I'm not sure if I should save this. For uh, when we're later on, but um, come on, dude, kick us off. I well, I, I'll just leave it at this because it doesn't directly tie, but it totally ties in with the McLaughlin group, and I and I could I could figure out a way to to weasel it back in. So I'm reading a book on Audible.com, which you can get your own very free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash cpm, and if you do that, you end up putting a little bit of wind in our pirate sails. So. One of the books that I'm listening to on Audible is called uh, something along the lines of How I Lost a Million Dollars. I think that's actually what it's called. I have to look it up. And uh, I I actually am just totally fascinated by this book because it's his real life story. And um guy's a stock trader. I don't even know if he would call himself a trader. Um and he ended up losing a million dollars, and this is after he's done no wrong his whole life. And so what he decided to do afterwards is he, he wanted to read all of the um, experts, quote-unquote experts, and see you know how do they make money. And literally the very like first chapter of the book, he brings up all these titans of financial planning, guys that probably even you would know. They're so big. And he'll read what one guy says, and then he'll read what the other guy says. That's directly contradicting the other guy. Wow. And he just keeps going through all these people, and they all contradict. You know, Warren Buffett says this, and, you know, um, Peter Lynch says that. And just, yeah. you know, and he basically what he came to the conclusion was there's actually tons of different ways to make money, but there's only a couple of different ways to lose money. And the reason why all these guys make money is because they don't lose the money. Oh, wow. And so even though, you know, one guy professes one way to do things um, and the other guy professes the other, well, when the one guy is about ready to lose, he's got triggers in place that gets him out of the market. And so he doesn't lose. And then the other guy knows how to make money in those situations. So he gets to go up. And so his whole point in the book is here's how to learn how to lose money properly right. so you don't lose everything. And the reason why I wanted to read it is not really for the financial planning, you know, even though I still have a registered investment advisory firm and still have clients and stuff. Um, I just wanted to learn, you know, when, when are you supposed to pull out of either a business endeavor or whatever? Cause I, I just was re realizing and listening to this, I don't have triggers in place. And you can even equate this to church planning. At what point do you say, hey, psh, you know, I got to I gotta pull out of this thing. Is This thing is right. going down in flames. And we actually did a whole episode on that, when you should, uh, you know, quit your church when, plant. When it's time to quit. Which was one of our most uh, popular podcasts. 
I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I'll, I'll save it, but I actually wanted to quit earlier this week, and I'll t- I can talk about that in a minute. And prayer got me through. Like no no phony tie in there. Literally, it was praying. Mm. Interesting. But, uh, but but here here's the thing. I think you're right, man. You know, it's kind of like how you're saying. You know, the guys almost pointing out, look, you gotta you gotta know how to lose money, so then you know like to do the opposite. Maybe these guys' success was they learned how not to lose it rather than... Well, that's uh, what he, he alludes to is he, yeah. he goes, the thing that no one actually brings up is, um, you know, they know how to lose. Yeah. Like they know the triggers to have in place for when they're like, okay, I need to get out of the market and then getting themselves back into the market. Um, I think I think there's a lot of brilliance in that because I think all of us as church planners, that's kind of... We've all come from maybe a situation where we've been in a church and we kind of say, I mean, some guys come from great churches and they're like, man, I just want to replicate where I've come from. Other guys, maybe they've been in church and they've been frustrated for a time. And some of it is, hey, I've seen guys build after the flesh and I really want to go do something pure. You know, I want to go do something that's just chiefly for Jesus. And church planning often caters to, um, that crowd of guy who says, I'm not in it for the money because I know there's no money, but I'm literally in it because I know a bunch of lost people and they'll never go to the church I came from. Mm. And the church I came from will never go after them. And so knowing what they don't want to be uh, often helps them understand what kind of church they're going to plant. Mm. And for me, that's definitely the case. I mean, you know, we, we say it all the time that we planted the church for people who, you know, fell through the cracks of society. And Christianity. I mean, we, we're definitely going after that. You know, these are people that don't get reached, starting with why we go into the neighborhood. Right. But I was going to say, going back, you know, it, it's so many things, like just like prayer. I mean, you can read 10 books on prayer and they'll all say they know the secret and it'll be 10 different things. Same with church planning. You know, I, I, I've got a stack of church planning books that I review every month and uh, in jump school and uh, they, they all say different stuff. And they all claim to have the silver bullet. But what I loved about what Stat Miller said um, in his new book, uh, Praying to Your Elephant. Praying to Your Elephant? Come on. (laughs) That's a little bit of a slip there. Is he Hindu? Come on. It's a Hindu book, yes. Um, It it prays to an elephant deity, one of thousands, (laughs) with um, multiple appendages. Oh, my gosh, dude. I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> he actually uh, it was praying for your elephant. For it's an important, you know, words are important, Pete. Hmm. And uh, you know, so anyways, uh, in that book, he says, "Look, it's just important to pray." He goes, and I was at a conference uh, with him. We were sharing the stage recently, and he goes, uh, "You know what I've learned? The secret is to praying. Really, the secret of prayer. Everybody wants to know that." And he goes, "It's to pray." And then, and then he went on to say, and I love this, um, and the Puritans used to talk about this, Romans 8, where he goes, and look, the scripture kind of talks about prayer like you're not ever going to be really good at it. You know, it says when, when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He goes, the thing is, Romans 8, um, Paul just assumes that you all struggle with prayer and goes, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's there to help you. And so as we come into this topic, I think it's really important, you know, nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room when it comes to leadership, right? Nobody wants to go, hey, everyone, I, I kind of suck at praying. Most of us pray by necessity. 
We pray when uh, we have to. Um, you know, when and as we have to. That's that's the reality. And when you get into ministry, you find suddenly you need to pray a lot. And so, you know, when things are going well and, um, you know, your church is cruising, cruise control, the crowds are big, and you're not worried about it imploding all the time, it's like King Lemuel says in Proverbs where he goes, God, don't let me be so rich and successful that I don't need you anymore. Mm. He goes, but don't make me so poor that, you know, I, I, I'm tempted to steal and do dishonest things. And I think for us, you know, there's always that kind of uh, tension. In New Breed, right, I, I get support that people still view me as a missionary. And so whereas we were planting in Long Beach, that was hot and everything, and people totally get that. But now, you know, we're I'm, I'm spread out almost like a shotgun now working with uh, Stanton, San Pedro, Long Beach, uh, planning out new churches in Long Beach, working with uh, some guys here in San Diego County now, uh, conferring with L.A. County guys. and um, So, you know, I'm, I'm spread out a little bit more, but now um, I'm training other guys. And so I'm still a missionary, and there's still people that see me. Anyways, my support dropped for some reason. We had, whether it was a blip on the radar or whatever, Support went down by thousands this past month, and you know I I called the treasurer, and, <laughs> and since you and since you only bring in thousands, that really hurts, dude. It was it was <laughs> over half yeah. of what we need, you know, from month to month, and there's a little bit of a savings there, you know, but it it was a little bit of a shock to the system, and that's always where you know I I'm bivocational anyways. But that's always the place where if Satan wants to really nail me, it's since I've had these two girls that we adopted, and my wife and I are cool. You know, we've always been, hey, we can do whatever. Now we got the girls, and it's always kind of like, oh. And so I had a little chat with God, you know, and I was like, God, look, no one gets what I'm doing here, right? Everyone's kind of like, when are you going to grow up and get a big mega church, be really famous, and all that, and. It's just not what God's called me to. I, I have been called, it's ironic to say this on this podcast, but on the ground I'm called to obscurity. I'm not out to make a name for myself. I don't care if anyone ever knows that I had a hand in such and such church plant. Um, for me it's important to train up these guys, get them on the ground, get the gospel out, and that's it. But I had a crisis where come Monday I got that report. Uh, it was actually Sunday night. I spent all day Monday praying about it, working through it, didn't, didn't tell my wife yet, just just talked with God, kind of uh, had it out, duked it out a bit with myself, with God, and was kind of like, Lord, I, you know, I don't know, God, I, you know, I always tell God, I don't got to do this, you know, I don't feel like I, you know, wherever I'll go, I, I'll preach, you know, I'll, I'll share the gospel, I'll, I'll be a witness, I'll, I'll serve you, I'll love you, that's, I don't have to do this though, and, you know, just let me know, and so, um, I really, really felt that for me, uh, the cure for me was just spending time with God, just sitting in his presence. Um, and I did. I prayed. I'm like, hey, Lord, you know, I, am I am I just preaching to the empty air? It seems like, you know, middle class people don't get what I'm talking about. Um, boom, boom, boom. And, um, and then by the end of that day, because I remember saying to God, hey, I need to hear from you. You know, and I know prophetic people, and I'm like, you know, either give me a prophetic word or come through. And sure enough, like the next, you know, that day, that evening, within the space of an hour, 
I had a phone call and a conversation. It wasn't like anybody dumping money on me, but it was it was in specific answers to the questions I had been asking God. Hmm. Boom, you know, absolutely miraculous kind of stuff out of the blue. And I'm like, okay, God, I I hear you. So I think prayer is a is is a is a big part. And often I believe that kind of like Ian Bounds said, he was a a chaplain in the Civil War. Um, he wrote a book called The Power of Prayer. It's his most uh, famous one. He wrote six volumes on it, and they're good. Um, but he uh, he was a nut for prayer. And he basically made the statement that, um, actually, he didn't make it. He quotes John Wesley and then builds on it. John Wesley made a statement that said, um, God limits himself by our prayers. So in other words, God could do a ton of stuff, but kind of taken off from James where he goes, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you, you ask with the wrong motives. So John Wesley used to tell people, look, God would do so much more if you'd ask him. And you see that in the scripture. And I know buddies that when they hear that, they get all mad. They're like, that's not right. That No, that can't be true. And you do, you know, God's like, hey, you know, call on me. I'll do this. You know, God's always kind of saying, why don't you talk to me? And I can remember when I first headed off to the mission field, one morning I was like, hey, you know, uh, I told my wife, I feel like God's asking us to pray for money. And that wasn't like a thing I did. I was brand new going on support, just raising support. I think I hadn't even started my first newsletter. I had announced at a church, I'm going to the mission field. And, um, And God was like, you need to pray and you need to ask me for money. And I knew, I felt like God had given me the rationale, um, cause I, I never asked for money. That'd be weird for me. You know, God give me money. Um, but I was going on mission and I felt like the Lord told me almost as like a, a writer to the request to pray. He was like, because when I come through, I want you to know it wasn't coincidence. I want you to ask me and I want you to know that I'm going to move. And so I did. I was like, okay, Lord, uh, provide for our mission. And I got a call that afternoon uh, from a lady who said, hey, um, you were really put on our hearts. We want to give you this much money uh, to cover your visa. And uh, then another lady called me up later in the afternoon. And there was like no rhyme or reason why it was that day. And uh, this other lady goes, hey, uh, my uh, mother died and um, we want to give you 10 grand. Now, that was 15, 16 years ago. That was a lot more money back then. But you'd still take it today. It's still a lot of money to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying to the rest of you, it's not that much anymore. I don't know, man. Um, one of our church planners, I think uh, I think he's in jump school. He's doing a GoFundMe campaign right now so he can raise like 900 bucks to go um, to the big game. I'm assuming he means the Super Bowl, so they can go witness to people who are going to the oh. Super Bowl. Wow, that that's a great. You know, we should go do that too. I strangely feel called to go to the Super Bowl. Let's yeah, go yeah. If ever two there were two, two people who would not want to go to the Super Bowl, it's yeah. you and me. I, 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 <laughs> every every guy listening to this is like, I don't understand what do you mean. Uh, Peyton and I don't watch sports. We don't yeah. really care about football. I hate to be the one. <laughs> I'm hearing, I'm hearing the dial click off all across the world right now. But you and I just don't give a rip about 
football. No. No, no. Always when we watch football, we're like, I could do that. <laughs> Why am I watching this? I could do that. I've had Super Bowl parties at my house, and I'm like, everyone's like, I can't believe you don't normally watch football. I'm like, dude, I'm only watching it because you guys are over here right now. Otherwise, I would not be watching it. Super Bowl parties are about the food anyways. Everybody knows that. They're like, you got a 100-inch screen. I'm like, yeah, but I don't care about football. <laughs> I actually got someone right in and go, did I? Uh, There's a guy in Britain. He, he couldn't he couldn't compute for him because they don't have this stuff over there. He's like, did I actually hear Pete right? <laughs> Was it a 100-inch screen? Was, uh, you I know what wrong? kicks me the most about that? I could have bought the 120-inch, and I thought it would be too big. And now I'm like, why didn't I just get it? It's 20 more inches. Oh, Pete Mitchell, Pete Mitchell. You know. But you know what? Here, here's the thing. Um, at, at the at the uh, the long and short of it is just to pray. You know, just that that is the secret to prayer. And so, um, if you guys struggle, you know, you, you're not alone because that actually is a biblical thing. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. And in Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 1, he says, And then Jesus taught them with many parables how the men ought always to pray and never give up. And, you know, when I read the scripture and I see something like that that says, and never give up, you know, how men ought not to lose heart, you know, uh, not give up, like that, that shows right away Jesus got it. He understood God knows that it's hard for us, that we get discouraged, we lose heart. And some of you guys will know how you start to pray, and there's like a rhythm of praying and not praying. Normally we talk about rhythm, and it's a good thing. But for you, it'd be like a rise and fall, you know, that kind of rhythm of praying and not praying, praying and not praying. And so for those of you that are like that, what can be really hard is for times in my life where, you know, uh, it used to be overwork. It used to be I would think I had so much to get done that I wouldn't pray and I would I would head straight into ministry and I'd be a Martha instead of a Mary, right? I wouldn't sit at Jesus' feet. Like Jesus says, Hey, there's one thing needful. There's only one thing that needs to happen. Martha, you're you're bothered and busy about many things. There's only one thing you need to do. And he says, Mary's chosen the the, the better part. And uh that kind of praying. Uh it, it becomes a choice where you just have to choose. It says Mary has chosen the better part. And you. so for, for those of you listening today, it just becomes a choice. Do I want to go on living life where I'm not praying? And so I'm assuming you struggle. I'm assuming that you have a rhythm that's up and down. And I'm assuming that you are getting to a point, and if you're not, maybe God will use this podcast today uh, prophetically to speak in your life to where you just go, you know what, I'm tired of not praying because there's too much at stake. And I, I feel like God would do so much more if I would ask him. Like he says, call on me, will I not part the heavens, you know? Uh, when I, will I not bless you, you know, uh, with the former and latter rains? I mean, there's all kinds of things in the scripture of God says, just, just talk to me, you know, depend on me, put your faith in me. I dig it, man. So tell me, how do you start? Because uh, I, I've said this before on the podcast. Prayer is one of those things that's, uh, you know, it's difficult because I seem to always pray from like one of two perspectives. Yeah, I, I would say it's either out of need 
But then everyone prays when they got need, right? You know, hey, yeah. God, I'm broke. Can you spare a few bucks? You know, everyone does that. And then, but I, I never really feel like, like I spend enough, like just like real prayer time with God. Like for me, it's just yeah. a, it's a foreign feeling. It's a foreign concept. I, I don't know what it looks like. So, you know, help a brother out. What's it look like? <laughs> so, uh, it's so funny because the guy who is my mentor, he's a guy named Dan Berg, um, loves me to bits. I'm like a son to him. He's like a dad to me, uh, discipled the crud out of me in ministry, and a man that I deeply, deeply respect as a man who walks with God. And I remember asking him um, about three years ago, I said to him, so what does your prayer life look like? And he, he's he got a real dry wit, and he can get this wicked look in his eye, and he's not joking around. It's almost kind of a scary look he gives you. And he gives me his look, and he goes, how do you describe agony? <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, you know, like that wasn't the, the answer I was, I, I was looking for. But you, you hear of things like wrestling in prayer, um, wrestling with the angel. People who pray a lot talk about it. Like it's not just like, you know, walking down the park lane and, you know, winking at the birds and Bambi's, you know, coming up. And, you know, kind of like Snow White, a whole Disney scene. They're they're bringing you your cup of coffee, and it's just beautiful. And you're singing, la 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 la. You know, like you know, some Disney film. It's 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 war, man, and it is a fight. You are literally on your hands and knees, reaching out and dragging yourself for every inch that you take. And that's often how it can be. And so. Um, there, there's a lot of different things that we could say about how to do it and what it looks like, but it's not going to be easy and you're going to drift in your mind and, uh, there are tools that you need to know, um, to help you to stay focused and to do what you got to do. And so, um, there's a lot of different ways. Um, but the first thing I would say is um, you need to find a way to chase off the distractions. So, for example, um, in uh, Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham, and he is laying down uh, the sacrifice. God's about to make the big covenant with him. And he is going to, you know, Abraham's got the sacrifices. He's cut them in half, and the Lord's going to pass through like a like a burning, you know, burning pot and um, of course, the whole picture is kind of like, hey, this is going to be tough, you know. Um, it's not a happy scene. Um, there's blood and guts and everything everywhere, and uh, that's how sometimes your prayer life feels. But as it's there, there's all this carnage on the ground. These vultures keep trying to come and take the sacrifice away. And so here's, here's Abraham trying to have this serious moment with God, and these vultures are coming. And it, and it says he had to keep getting up and chasing off the vultures. And on one hand, it's a comical picture, but on the other hand, um, isn't it so true to like what, what our prayer lives actually look like? You know, you're, you're trying to do business with God. It's a big deal and you're trying to meet with him and the vultures keep coming, you know, whether it's thoughts about Scooby Doo or thoughts about, you know, walking dead Pete and, uh, <laughs> sorry, not funny. Any, any, any chance to just, you know, make fun of you is always. A happy moment for me. But, uh. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> it's late. My brain's going. 
but uh, but anyways, you know, it, it's going to be tough. And so one of one of the things that I did, you know, how like you you sit down and you close your eyes. A lot of people try to close their eyes. I don't know where that came from. But I don't um, either. But I, I tell you, I don't for the most part. Like that's not how I pray. How do you pray? What what works for you, man? I'm usually sitting at my desk where I spend a good 95% of my life. I'm staring out my window going, God, why am I still doing this crap? (laughs) Which, of course, you're not talking about, Church Planner Magazine. No, I hardly do anything for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the conversation we have. Man, we need to do this stuff full time. But here's the deal. You know, you mentioned looking out your window. That's exactly um, how I learned it. When, when I first got saved, I And by the way, I, you know how we were told to bow our heads and close our eyes? Yeah. Started with every parent because they got sick of their kids like poking each other. So you teach them how to pray. Bow <laughs> your head, close your eyes, put your hands folded, together. Hands folded, stop touching your sister. Exactly. That's how it got started. Absolutely. See so it nowhere in the Bible, but you see it at home. Yeah. So I would I would go as a young Christian to my bed and I would kneel by my bed. And I was such a wreck at that point. That didn't last long. Usually I was like by that time, you know, a few minutes in, I was like throwing myself on the floor and like, oh, I'm sorry, God. I was such a wreck of a Christian, you know, doing all the stuff I shouldn't have been doing and didn't really understand the word. Just, you know, kind of knew I was blowing it all over the place and. Um, didn't understand the cross yet either and how much peace was available to me. But, um, but, but I, I, I remember writhing in agony and that, and that's not how I pray now. But I would say that when I pray, I'm humbled. I'm humbled by God, you know? Um, the, the funny thing is, is, you know, Jesus told that parable about, hey, you know, there's the Pharisee who goes, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. And then there's a guy that never feels worthy. And so if you guys are like, man, I find it hard to pray because I feel like such a screw-up, um, Jesus is like, hey, you're the one God's listening to. I'll let you in on a secret. I've seen it from heaven's viewpoint, and those are the guys that God really, really enjoys listening to. Um, just the other guys, he doesn't even he didn't even pick up their, their phone call. You know what I mean? He, he just goes straight to, to, to message. But... The, the reality is what you're talking about there, Pete, looking out a window, um, that's important. Your, your environment, your atmosphere, what you're doing. Some people walk. I remember um, struggling with prayer at a certain point in my Christianity. I live in Wales. and uh, or I lived in Wales. Sorry, I meant that past tense. And I would get up at the crack of dawn um, before I had kids. And I would put on my uh, wellies, which are, you know, they're actually my fireman boots, which are, you need boots that can go in mud because it rains every day there. And I would go walking in these backwoods, and I would just walk and walk and pray for about an hour. And I would pray and walk. And it was cool. You know, it was different. I I mixed it up a bit to get my prayer life jump-started. But the, the way I've always prayed best is by standing, looking out a window. I don't know why it is, but I stand and I hmm. look out a window. And I can drive and pray. I quite like driving and praying. Um, my neighbor the other morning was like, hey, I'm just going for a drive. And we live near the beach. He was just driving down the coast towards San Diego and got in his truck on Saturday morning and drove down the coast a little bit. And I think he was just thinking and clearing his head. He may have also been looking at the surf. But uh, the, the reality is, for me, just simple things. Like it's like going for a drive. 
Um, I can pray really well like that, but I, I pray best standing, looking out of a window when a train's going by. <laughs> Don't they know it's 8 o'clock at night? Why is the train going by? Oh, it, it goes by all night. But uh, you don't hear it anymore. In fact, I can't sleep very well if I'm away from home. There's not a train going by all night. Don't worry. Every <laughs> once in a while in the middle of the night, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got some funny stories. But So, so your environment's really important. And, and so a lot of times guys get intimidated when they haven't been praying for a while. So the thought of getting back in, you just feel like, oh, you feel like crap. And you don't want to like come before God again because you're groveling. You don't want to go through all that. And um, I, what, what I tell guys is, and, and they don't know how, to, how long to spend. And they don't know uh, what they should be saying or doing during prayer. And so we've already knocked out, find the place and position of prayer that's going to work for you. That's important. I love how in C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, uh, he has screw tape right to, uh, Wormwood and he says, tell, tell the client, or is it the, uh, what does he call him? The, not the client, but the, maybe it is a client or the subject or whatever. He has a name for him. I can't remember, but he says, tell him that, um, the position he assumes during prayer is not important. That's high church stuff, and it's all ridiculous and man-made. And he says, but of course we know that that's complete rubbish. And I think C.S. Lewis was on to something there, because I do think that your posture, you know, the devil's saying, of course it is important, um, and our client must never know this. And I think it is important. Different people will pray different ways. Um, everybody used to tell me before I started surfing that they really meet with God uh, on a surfboard, and I always thought they'd be new agey uh, and... Um, and a little bit self-indulgent, to be honest, until I start surfing. And I'm like, I get it. This is the best way to... Do you uh, surf much? I don't surf much, but I surf. Do I almost you? went tonight. See, I got neighbors who are always going, dude, let's go down. And I suck, but I still do it. They uh, they don't make boards big enough for me. That's all I'm saying. Oh, dude, yes, they do. I got a buddy that's bigger than you right now, church planter, new breed, who just moved down here. Dean Cook. If he's listening, and uh, I so thought you were talking about someone else until you said you moved down there. No, he moved down here, and man, he he has. I, I think he had an eleven foot board. I didn't know they made boards that big, and he is a big dude, man. So he's a Scottish dude by heritage. But anyway, so going back to this, um, so the the how long? Let's look at the how long. If you're looking to jumpstart your prayer life, because. Um, you're obviously going to think like, oh, you know, um, I, I don't want to just like do it and like just half do it. And, um, but, but what I'd suggest if you're out of the habit, just set a timer for 15 minutes. If I'm talking to a non minister, I tell him five minutes. So I'm just talking to someone who's new to the faith or much. Just say five minutes. It's five minutes. That's it. Because I know once they do five minutes, they're going to want more. They're going to be like, this is cool. And so I always tell ministers, and it's what I do if I've ever gotten out. I set a timer for 15 minutes, and within the week, man, I, it's I'm praying for like an hour. You know, it it goes up, and you know I don't pray always like an hour every day or what. I'm not trying to big myself up. I don't do that, um, but it'll go up and down throughout the week. You know, it'll, it'll, do you it'll, start it'll just, by reading the Bible or by praying? I usually start by reading the Bible, and um, but but I'm kind of funny about that because I like to spend a couple minutes before I read the Bible 
just talking to God about reading the Bible. Like, Lord, let me hear from you, and boom. But, you know, the, the funny thing is when I first wake up in the morning, that's the time that I hear from God. Like, I get prophetic words when I first wake up where God's just like, boom. You get prophetic words when you first wake up? I get profane words when I first wake up. (laughs) You and I are night and day on that one, buddy. I'll tell you that right now. That is awesome. But (laughs) I'm just saying, I wouldn't even understand a word that was coming into my head if it was prophetic. I'd be like, what, what, what? No, I swear to you, like, I, I really feel like I, not every day, but fairly often, it's like God talks to me about what he needs to talk to me about, like, the second I wake up. And it, it used to bother me, and I'd be like, Lord, how come you only speak to me, like, when I'm first waking up? Like, why do you speak to me then? I, I felt like God went, that's the only time you're really listening. You're too stupid then to, like, think about other things. Your head's empty, so that's the only time you listen to me, so... That's uh, that's when it happens for me, but but yeah, um, fifteen minutes, guys. You know, don't don't make it a big deal. That's always the the big uh, takeaway that, that that I try to leave people with is don't make it a. You'll be in too intimidated. Just set a timer for fifteen and say, if nothing else, I'm just going to pray for fifteen minutes, and I promise you, you'll want more. You will. And uh, as far as the Bible, reading the Bible. But see, I, I don't know necessarily. At least for me, I don't think it's. Uh, a lack of desire. I think it's just a flat out lack of time. So, I mean, you know, you hear this, uh, you'll want more. Well, I already want more. I I have no time for it. Yeah. And I don't mean I have no time for it, but I mean, it just, it seems like life continually gets in the way. I mean, especially like I got a home office, right? (laughs) So every once in a while I get, really cross at Jamie. I'm like, look, I know it looks like I'm home and I'm not doing anything, but I'm working, you know? And it's like when people come and interrupt you, is that, is that sitting in front of the hundred, hundred inch TV or no, is no, this is when I'm in my office. I spend most of my life in the office and then the rest That'd of it is cool spent in front work. of the hundred inch TV. <laughs> but, um, like everyone think, Oh, it's just, you know, I'm just a 30 second question. It's not a big deal. No, you don't understand. Now it's going to take me 15 minutes because I got to get back into the train of thought. Where was I? What was I doing? I mean, it's, it's such an inconvenient thing. And so, I mean, that happens to me all the time, even when it comes to, um, prayer and Bible reading. Like I still remember this one morning. I'm out in my office. I'm reading the Bible and Jamie comes over and she goes, Hey, and then all of a sudden she looks away and she starts focusing on something else. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, you just, you totally stopped me from what I was doing. And then so, of course, that gets her really mad. And she's like, you're reading the Bible. And then you snap at me. And I'm like, dude, seriously? <laughs> I'm like, you stopped me. And then you don't even finish the question. Then it's like, ooh, butterfly, you know, and you're off over somewhere else. And I'm like, you know, like, awesome. so my, my, my question in this is it's not, an issue, at least for me, it's not an issue of desire. It's like, how do you, how do you incorporate this and like safeguard it? And you're like, okay, this is my time for that. Especially, you know, like in our situations where we've got young kids, I mean, that's just like, as a whole nother dynamic, like, dude, you know, I'll I'll be honest. Like, it's funny because I used to be able to go into my office and I'm on morning duty with our kids. So, uh, I don't get to go in my office and I used to have like seriously and and I'm not bigging myself up. I used to have like a couple hours of like 
time praying and reading the Bible. Just and and guys, this is something like I don't have that anymore, like I used to. But but I had that luxury, and I'm an early riser, so I'm up at like five in the morning, and that's a habit I developed because I wanted to be up before the rest of the house. Um, my wife mainly, you know, I mean. Gosh, even even when I had a roommate, like I would just make sure I was always the first one up in the house, so I could just be completely alone. And um, but I was going to say I don't I don't have that lecture anymore because now I'm on morning duty. I'm getting the kids breakfast and I'm waking them up, getting them dressed, and I give my wife kind of that so that she can have a quiet time because she's going to be no rhyme or reason to her schedule for the rest of the day. She's going to be dependent on the needs of kids, having to go to the doctors, whatever. So her time's out the window. So I, I give her that in the morning. That's where she gets hers. But if my kids happen to wake up early, my quiet time gets weird because if I, like my baby right now is a light, light, light sleeper. If I go in a room at night, usually she sits up like, hey, what's going on? She looks around, you know, and it's, my other one was like dead. Even now I can pick her up and I can like make her walk around the room and she'll like practically sleepwalk around the living room. It's pretty funny. But, uh, I, not that I ever do that. <laughs> yeah. You just no. have this as an example <laughs> as a, you know, a, a hypothetical purely, but, uh, the, uh, but my other one, just, if I get up, she gets up. If I got up at four, she'd get up at four. And so I, I now give her a bottle and put her back down, but that only buys me about 30 minutes of time. So I can't screw around on Facebook. And by the way, that's another thing, man. When I was first saved, we didn't have, you know, I sound like an old man. In my day, we didn't have these video games and, you know, but we didn't have all that stuff. And if that's a problem, guys, I know it's going to sound really stupid and really simple, but don't, don't use your Bible on your phone if you mm. can't get off Facebook. Just grab your hardcover. And I, I have this little thing, like, uh, you know I'm a reader, right? So I have um, I have this cool thing that I do, and, and it's kind of like to reward myself if I've really spent time meeting with God. The bonus of my quiet time is going through a book I really want to read. And so I have a little satchel on the side of my um, sofa that has... A Bible, uh, if I'm doing a prayer list, it'll have that in it. It'll have like little bookmarks and little reading tools. And then I'll have my book, you know, whatever book. Like right now I'm going through John Wesley and the early Methodists because I'm doing a lot of research on him and, um, for church planning stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I do. And, and so for me, if, if the kids are up, then boom, you know, I've got toys out, I'm getting breakfast, you know, whatever. And I just plant myself on the sofa. And while they're doing their thing and I'll get totally interrupted, I talk to God. I just talk to God. I just make sure I'm there. I might go over to the kitchen sink and look out the window and just pray. And they, my kids don't know I'm praying. You know, I'm not like, hey, I'm praying. Leave me alone, you know, you baby. Uh, I don't do that. You know, it's just like they're kids, you know, they're, they're, everywhere and they're coming up to me and banging stuff on me and it's just way way it is and you're right it's it's been a lot more difficult but i would suggest getting up early i would suggest um uh if if you don't have my situation i see i would totally disagree with that the getting up early if you're not designed (laughs) for that don't get up early that's not going to help you true absolutely um lloyd jones uh was a big advocate of quiet time in the afternoon because 
uh, he was not a morning person at all. And he was a sleeper, uh, meaning that uh, he didn't eat a lot. And he had a theory that he was a medical doctor. He had a theory that people either ate or slept. And people who were eaters probably ate too much, and people who were sleepers slept too much. And Lloyd-Jones loved to sleep. He was a little wiry, thin dude. And he would get up, you know, pretty pretty late, and he could not have quiet time. And so he would do it in the afternoon. So you're fully right, man. you got to know yourself. But I'm saying if you're a morning person, just get up earlier. Push it, push it forward. And, uh, you know. So as far as content, like what to do, what to pray, so... You asked about reading the Word. I think it's good to read the Word. I think it's good to set your mind right. And I think the content of what you read needs to be things that are New Testament and Old Testament. I just think God gave us both. It's good to read a little both. Um, you know, the, the you need the, new, the Old Testament because it's a lot of stories. And you'll see how God works in their life. And God will speak to you a lot from the Old Testament. But also you need the grounding of the grace of the New Testament. You need to always be working in the overall picture of looking from the backside of the Old Testament. God saying, this is what I meant. This is what how Christ's death and resurrection fulfilled my purposes in the Old Testament. You always need to be seeing it holistically. And so for that reason, I recommend that. But we're not talking about Bible reading so much. But, but back to prayer, um, I think you respond to God. The simplest kind of quiet time I know is you read the word and then you respond to God about what uh, you read. You talk to Him about it, you know. So give me give me an example, Pete, of something that you read recently. I just finished off uh, John today. Okay, John cool. twenty, right? So twenty or twenty one? Right. I don't have my Bible right here in front of me. Yeah. So you know, John chapter twenty, right? So you're, 21. you're you know you're in that that twenty one, yeah. So you're in that place where, um, you know, Jesus is meeting with Peter and do you love me? I mean, you just sit and walk through that and answer those questions with Jesus. You know what I mean? You just, you just interact with him. Lord, how would I answer that this morning? And, and what, what, yeah. And on a side note, by the way, on that whole story, you know what I find most fascinating about that story? You know, the, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. You know, and everyone knows the whole agape. Fleo, is that what it is? Or Fleo fish. Yeah, Fleo fish. The thing that I think is most amazing about that story is this is after the resurrection. So he's asking Peter, do you love me completely? After the resurrection, after Peter has seen him die and come back. And he's still like, yeah, I love you like a brother. (laughs) You know? And to me, I just look at that and I'm like, wow, that's the honesty of Peter and then the grace of God. Well, I, I think I think in that story, too, I think there was a bit of um, Peter feeling kind of like he didn't he could never say again that he loved God with everything. Like, I think hmm. remember remember how before yeah. Jesus like, hey, one of you is going to be training. He's like, even if everyone else falls away, I'm right there with yeah. you. I never will. I die for you, Lord. And Jesus goes, will you? Really, Peter? Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And I think that Peter was so vehemently insistent that he would ride with Jesus. Like he, he's literally saying, I love you more than all these guys. They all, they, they all would, Lord, but not me. And I think at the end, he's just broken. You know, I think he's just kind of like, I, I don't, 
I, we've all been there, right? Like we've all been there. We've all felt that with Jesus. Like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say, you know, and that's the beauty of it is when he's at that point, Jesus is like, I'm going to use you, man. You know, I'm going to fully, fully use you. And of course he's the guy, the guy who's the most broken and the most unsure of himself is the guy that Jesus uses the most at Pentecost. And, uh, what he likes to do, I guess. In fact, hmm. I know I guess. <laughs> but uh, but but when you go through your time of prayer, um, you know you reflect on on what you just read. Another thing you can do is you can um, go through the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father. You focus on your relationship with Him. You're our Father. You know, you're my Father. Never had a dad. What does that look like, Lord? You know, you just what I do at that point. If I'm if I happen to be going through the Lord's prayer, sometimes I freeform. Like right now, I'm freeforming it. But for a number of years, I would go through the Lord's prayer because Jesus like this is how you pray, and it was like a skeleton. It was kind of a template. But you you get to a point where I think, you know, you you kind of know after praying that way for a number of years, you're like, okay, I know I know the basics. I can go more freeform, but I know what to major on. I know what you want to hear, and I know what I, more importantly, Lord's Prayer, what I should be focused on, um, rather than the big gimme, 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 um, like you're saying, give me more money. And uh, But when the Lord's Prayer, you know, first thing he focuses on is your relationship to him. He's your father. He loves you. He cares for you. And then hallowed be your name is God's holiness. Um, but when when you make it a request, hallowed means holy. Um, but when you make a request, holy be your name or let your name be hallowed, it's saying let others see who you are. Let me see who you fully are so that I'm transformed by that. Um, as I gaze in your face, may I be transformed from glory to glory. And, uh, you know, as I, as I look at you with unveiled face. And then um, it goes on from there into your kingdom come, which should be our focus, his kingdom. Your will be done, not mine. Um and you can see how this is just a template. And during your kingdom come, you could be praying about missionaries. You can be praying for your church, your leaders, your church plant. Um, you get, that's where you're praying for the gospel to advance. And then your will be done. Um, it's not just not my will be done, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, yeah, you can yield yourself fully over to him. You can. So if you find that helpful, maybe open up. Uh, you know, Matthew, um, chapter six and go through that. The Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew six, found in Luke as well. But, um, open it up and maybe go through Matthew six and, and the petitions there and personalize them and spend some time with them. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's one way. What about you, man? What do you, what do you find helpful? You know, that's, that's a tough question. It, it's a tough question because I mean, there are times when I definitely feel closer to God than other times, and um, and I would say it's probably more related to prayer than it is Bible reading. Mm. And I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know the metaphysical reason why that is, or anything like that. But it's like you can read the Bible and get you know profound thoughts out of it. And um, like I told you, the rest of this year what I'm probably going to just end up doing is just, I just want to read the gospels over and over again. Cause 
I just feel like I'm I'm really like getting so much out of just like Jesus, right? More about Jesus. But it's a different kind of closeness in reading the Bible than it is in prayer. Yeah. And um and I don't know, I mean prayer is just one of the, it's one of those tough things, right? It's one of those yeah. tough things to nail down. You definitely at least for me, I mean I definitely feel awkward at times. Um, I've shared this before on the podcast. I absolutely feel awkward about praying in front of other people. I hate it. I don't like doing it. That's why, yeah. you know, Tyrone makes that funny joke, you know, <laughs> with it, with your eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete will pray. I'll be it silently and to himself. You know, <laughs> um, I, I'm totally uncomfortable praying in front of other people. Um, yeah. that's, that's a, that's, that's a definite, you know, thing for me. Um, yeah. Especially like every once in a while, you and I'll uh, pray about something. Um, and like when I'm praying and you go, yes, right. Like you're agreeing in the prayer and it throws me off. I'm like, what, <laughs> what, what was it? Stop interrupting me. I, I just heard another voice. Charismatic when I pray, Lord, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, prayers, it's, it's one of those things, man. I just, I feel like, I don't know, man. I don't even know what to say, to say I feel like. I mean, I, I no, that, feel like I it. want more of that, but I don't really know how to do it. I don't know how to get the time for it. I don't know how to um, just focus on that. I I would say set a timer, you know, and like I said earlier, like if... And uh, by the way, I also have some really bad uh, memories of prayer. Yeah. Like... Prayer in my family growing up was miserable. Oh my gosh. My parents would like, after dinner, they just start praying. Oh, we're going to pray as a family. And like an hour later, my sister and I, eight years old, right? Are like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, we're sitting here at this table and oh my gosh. I mean, oh. The, the human attention span can only do so much. And, and I'll be honest with you. Like when I, when I pastor a church, I don't let people pray for more. And I don't mean individuals. I mean, the whole thing goes for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes unless the spirit really turns up because I don't want to bore people. Um, but I'm always waiting for the spirit to, to pop. So like, my leadership in Wales, we used to go away for a whole weekend and fast and pray like the whole weekend. And I know it sounds really stupid, but they're all a little more charismatic and it's awesome. You know, people speaking prophetic words, people getting word of wisdom. Um, you'd just be like, then somebody would be like, Hey, I, I don't know that that sounds stupid. I just, um, I don't like the idea of not, not eating, uh, uh fasting. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Joke, like going bro. away fasting and praying Come for a weekend. Well, Going away and fasting and praying for a weekend with word-based guys would probably be very boring. And the thing with me is I'm I'm a mix of word-based and charismatic. I don't have Pentecostal theology, but I am charismatic, kind of like Walter Martin was, and yet word-based. And so for me, there's a real balance. And so when I, when I'm going away and fasting and praying, I expect to hear from God. I just expect to. On Sunday mornings, I still go into church expecting God's presence to be there. Like, that's big for me. That's the major, major thing I want to know on a Sunday morning, that that we experience God's presence. If we didn't experience God's presence, then I'm like Moses. Hey, I don't want to go without you, Lord. Unless you go, I'm not going either, you know. And um, 
because I've I've just got revival kind of like hardwired into me. And the the thing is, Pete, is like, you know, there are times where I've prayed with my leadership, and it's it's few, but we would pray for hours, and it wouldn't seem that. I remember the last time that I visited Wales, we prayed for. I'm trying to remember how. I think it was. I want to say it was like almost five hours. And I know this sounds crazy. This has not happened but a few times in my life, but it seemed like 45 minutes. We all stopped praying. We didn't all fall asleep. But we look at the clock. We're like, holy crap. It's like almost 1 in the morning. And we started, you know, at like 8 at night. Hmm. And that those times happen few, but that's that's what I'm saying. Those times are special. And when the Lord comes, there's no, you forget about the clock. And it's like, you know, other times it's 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, you know, cool. So we, we prayed and, um, and those times aren't any less special or precious to God and they shouldn't be to us. I mean, that, that's not going to be our daily bread, but those experiences, um, they've made me more confident in saying, Hey, we're going to pray for 20 or 30 minutes. And other times you might show up to a night and just say, all we're going to do is pray and worship, but you, you mix it up. So if you want to pray for more, 15, 20 minutes, break it with communion. Cut into it and have time of communion. Then go into a song. You know, always break it up. So if you're going to have a meeting that's an hour, two hours, um, and you want to do these things and get deeper with God spiritually, um, don't pray for an hour straight is my suggestion. And um, so that that's, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but that's what I found. Yeah, it is. And, and pray don't pray looking at the clock either. Um, I set a timer for a small amount of time because that's the time I want to guard. Um, if if I want to go over or need to go over, great. But I love when Jesus said that the Pharisees pray thinking they will be heard for their many words. And Jesus was actually kind of making the point that, look, praying longer doesn't make you more sense. And he actually says they make long prayers and long speeches. He calls them speeches. They're not real. They're speeches, and they're hopelessly long. And so in closing, we've kind of come full circle. It's going to always be a struggle, kind of like what Pete said, what I said at the beginning. You're never going to feel like an expert at prayer, ever, ever, ever. And if you do, watch out, right? It's probably a sign that something's wrong. Um, <laughs> like I said, the man who walks with God that I know almost more in my life, he agonizes in prayer, and it's still tough for him. But prayer is actually a confession. Really, it's an act of confession that you are wholly dependent on God for everything. That's what prayer actually is. It's a confession through your actions that you need God. So you're stopping everything. You're, you're neglecting things that, that, you know, you could be busy with and you're doing the one thing needful and it takes faith to pray. And that's why I think a lot of people get stopped is because they don't really think they need it. And when the bottom gets pulled out from under their life, they, they realize, I need it. And so they pray. There's no issue then. And so, yeah, and sometimes, you know, when that does happen, you feel guilty about praying then. Yeah. Because, God, I'm only I'm coming saying. to you now when I need it. Yeah, and yet, you know, James 1 comes through with that verse. It says, if anyone's fallen into trials and he lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives graciously and does not find fault. And that's like, whoa, you mean so God doesn't play the blame game when, I, when I'm when i in a trial and I come to him. 
he's just like, hey, I'm glad you're here. Finally, you know, I knew, I knew you weren't getting, you know, boom, God's orchestrating. He's like, finally, I got you. Cool. But, you know, um, but I think that consistency is a key. And so one, one last thing to, to finish up and I'll make it really quick. So I think we're way out of time. Yeah, we are. We're over. <laughs> But uh, I didn't get my message where normally Pete's like, okay, wrap it up, man. Pete's watching the clock. But uh, the the thing is, is that normally, um, you know, okay, so it's not about the length of time. Um, but but you can don't don't think in the in the morning or whenever it is you pray. If you're like Lloyd Jones this afternoon, don't think like you're done. Or if you pray in the evening and it's during the day, you're like, oh, well, I'll do it later. Um, that's where Paul says, you know, look. Um, uh, pray continuously. He's saying, like, just pray in the rhythm of your day. Like, something happens, um, just pray. You know, the, a thing comes up suddenly, you're not sure, you just quick. You don't have to close your eyes. You could be driving in the car. You could be having conversation with someone. Let's just pray. You don't make it a big deal. You just out loud. Just, it, I love it when people just start praying and don't announce, or they're just talking to you. You mention something. They go, Lord, I just pray right now. You would do boom, 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 boom. And right there, and it's done. And you're like, oh, I didn't know we were going to pray. And it's over, but we've come before the Lord. Punctuate your day with it um, in a way that's natural, that eases in and out. And that's what I think Paul did is he'd be like, okay, we're uh, sailing off this place. And they're like, okay, the boat took off. Paul didn't go call a prayer meeting or say, well, I'll talk to God about that tonight. I think standing right there on the docks, Paul would be like, hey, guys, Lord, we lift this up. This is no surprise to you. We missed the boat, but we got to meet these people over here. Lord, we ask you to bring another boat along, or you do something, God. You're God. You know what to do. We're not going to tell you, but we're waiting on you. Boom. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just woven into the warp and weave of their experiences. And and and, and one last story. Um, in my uh, When I was writing my MA, I was really, really struggling. And I've told this story, I think, on the podcast before, but Jeff, uh, the guy I was serving with, very charismatic guy, he, I was telling him, hey, this thing's kicking my butt. And he goes, have you prayed about it? And I go, no, it's, it's like an academic paper. Like, I, I didn't think to pray about it. He goes, I want you to pray about it and um, just spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just pray about it before you even, like, open your laptop and uh, see what happens. And that day was the turning point for that paper. I broke the back of it. The whole structure locked in. It was smooth sailing from that day on. And literally, I was like, whoa, God, I didn't know you did this. And I think most of our stuff in life that we don't ever pray about, God's like, huh, I could have really shown myself to you that way if you had just included me into that area of your life. Mm. I, I could have done something cool. That's it, man. I dig it. So the answer I gave earlier for why I couldn't make the podcast, same reason for prayer. I suck, and you suck, and... Hey guys, listen, you suck. <laughs> and, uh, you're gonna keep sucking at prayer and you're gonna need the Holy Spirit all the way. And that's why it's good, man. Luckily, Romans 8, the Spirit Himself helps us in our weakness and we don't know how we ought to pray. And that's Paul's the veteran, man. And the highest heights he could possibly go to in scripture, Romans 8, doesn't get any higher. He's not any closer to heaven as when he's in Romans 8. And he just goes, Hey, by the way, Spirit helps you when you're weak and you don't know how to pray to Him. Boom. So I guess that's a good way to close. Full yep. circle, yeah? I dig it. Well, hey, you've been listening to the Church Planter Podcast. This week, guys, if uh, you want your questions answered, we're doing Band of Brothers. And um, 
If you have church planning questions, um, feed them into us. Some of you guys are part of Jump School. Some of you aren't. But uh, we did an episode off one of the questions uh, last time that we got from somebody, and you might just find your question on this broadcast. So we hope this has helped you. This has been the Church Planner Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.